0: Hey readers, welcome to the Bramford Public Library's Juicebox Book Talks. I'm Leanna and I'm Laura. We are two Library 11 Techs working in the Child and Youth Programming Department with a passion for children's literature and this is the place to discover new and exciting book recommendations for kids. In each episode we discuss a book we've read together as a buddy read and then we choose a variety of titles for different ages based upon theme. We will explore books spoiler-free, available at the library in print and digital form, which include picture books, junior fiction, and graphic novels. So find your favorite book nook, get comfy, and let's get started. So we're here today on this beautiful, as of today, we're recording at the end of March, and it's a beautiful sunny day and we're going to talk about some poetry because April is National Poetry Month and we thought it would be a perfect opportunity to highlight some picture books and novels and verse from our children's collection. So a lot of the books we're going to discuss and we and there was a lot to choose from um, were the novels and verse and we love these types of books because they're so great for our emergent readers, they're visually appealing, um, they're simple but emotionally dense, um, they're just great picks for Poetry Month and the cool thing about Poetry Month this year is that their theme is resilience and adapting well in the face of adversity, tragedy, trauma, and stress really ties in perfectly with the year we've had and, mm-hmm. I think- Absolutely. and it ties in perfectly with our selections of books um, that we're going to discuss today. So without further ado, let's jump into our buddy read, Laura. Let's do it. Okay. Red, yeah. white, and whole. Red, white, and whole by Rajani LaRocca. Let's just take a moment to look at the beautiful cover because we know these gorgeous illustrations and cover art is just, it's just amazing. So yeah. This is Rajani LaRocca's debut novel. It's an own voices historical fiction set in 1983, which was super fun. Historical
1: it, fiction is 1983. I know. it makes I, me feel so old.
0: I wrote that down and it just, it did not seem appropriate <laughs> at all. Um, it's emotionally intense and culturally diverse. Red, White and Whole is a story of an Indian American 13 year old girl growing up, as we said in 1983. Reha is torn between her immigrant parents' traditions and expectations and her own friends and MTV. I guess for us it would have been much music, but for America. Fresh, yes. When Reha finds out that her mother, who she's had a somewhat strained relationship with, has been diagnosed with leukemia, Reha is determined to make her well again and bridge the gap between them. This is an honest depiction of what it is like to straddle two worlds eye-opening for readers who don't have a similar story and relatable for readers who do. The author, Rajani Laraka, is also Indian American. She came to the United States as a small child, went on to become a doctor, wow, as well as an author, Mm -hmm. and draws on her own experiences in creating Raya, who tells this beautiful story. There's a lot about food, music, clothing, religious beliefs, and social practices, including arranged marriage and of different cultures. Set in the 80s, there are many amazing references to this time, as well as has Indian culture, but the themes of family, friendships and coming of age are timeless across cultures and time periods. I absolutely loved it. What did you think of it, Laura?
1: I loved it. Like, well, first of all, I mean, like, let's just talk about the 80s music too. It's like, on do like a light, light note. I like four, I mentioned it four times <laughs> in that 60 seconds, right? Always something there to remind me. I'll never hear that song again and not think of this book. Like, honestly, like, and it's such a great song and it's an original, like Burt Bacharach song from like the 1960s. So it's a fan. Like, I love that song. The original version, the 80s version. It's great. So yeah, I mean, I think when kids are reading this, I hope that they like, get a Spotify playlist or something to go along with this because it's amazing music.
0: You know what I was thinking on that kind of idea was a YouTube scavenger hunt. So, or maybe like digging out like an old Walkman and making it that mixtape that they have in the book and going, hey, just, this is your scavenger hunt to do on YouTube. And they can be introduced to like the bands like Duran Duran and the Erythmics and Cyndi Lauper and just stuff oh. that it's like, like beyond retro. Like when we were yeah. kids, like, in teens, that was retro. Now it's like historical fiction. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the music element was amazing and really mm-hmm. opened up that culturally significant time in the 80s for the kids. But for the sure. story as a whole was so beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Um, I loved Reha I loved her experiences in school I loved her family it is an emotional book um, mm. I listened to it and read along as I sometimes do especially yeah. with the and I just thought it was so well done and I really can't wait to see more books by this author yeah. I do want all of our listeners to pick this up that's Rajani LaRocca's Red White and Whole so the next middle grade novel and verse I'm going to talk about pairs really well with red, white, and whole. And that's Jasmine Warga's other words for home. This is contemporary and a necessary story for kids age eight plus, I would say. Although it's labeled middle grade, this is a perfect read for any age. It pairs well with our previous story as they are both own voices that feature relatable narrators who feel pulled between two cultures as they try to cope with life in middle school. Other Words for Home is a hopeful story told through the eyes of a young Syrian girl named Jude forced to leave her homeland in search of a safe and promising future in America. Leaving behind her brother and father, Jude and her pregnant mother find refuge with an uncle and his American family in Cincinnati. Jude struggles with the concept of home as she tries to blend her home in Syria and its traditions with her new home in America. Settling into this new life is difficult as Jude navigates her new school, tries to make new friends, struggles to learn a new language and slowly adjusts to a completely different and new culture. Everything is new, capital N-E-W, and oftentimes overwhelming for Jude, but she doesn't lose touch with who she is, where she's from, and most importantly, her dreams. I love this book. It handles hardships and displacement in a gentle, honest, and poetic way. The story flows beautifully and the verse style definitely adds to it emotionally. Oftentimes I pause while reading to reflect on a passage or jot down a lovely quote. The There's a scene in here um, where Jude auditions for her school play, and it's so beautiful. And it really reminded me of Alex Gino's George, where they mm. remember they did Charlotte's Web in that. Mm. And then when she she really just wants to be part of commu- a community in her school, and it's and she English isn't her first language. She really has to like go above and beyond to to be a part of her her class. And I just I just really loved it. Jasmine Warga states in the author's note that she wrote Jude for her 12-year-old self because she had never seen a brown girl in a book who was proud of her family and where she came from. She hopes that by sharing Jude's story, it will show readers that you don't need to be afraid of these children fleeing from a war zone. These children want the same thing as all of us, love, understanding, safety, and a chance at happiness. That's Other Words for Home by
1: Jasmine Warga. All right, I am here with my middle grade slash graphic novel pick for the month, actually. Uh, And I've chosen the graphic novel adaptation of the Newbery Medal Award winner, the crossover by the amazing Kwame Alexander, illustrated by Dawood and Yabwile. I tried really hard to get the pronunciation correct because I grew up with a really weird last name and no one ever pronounced it correctly, so I hope I did it right. Um, Anyway, so the crossover, the original... um, text is, it's amazing. And it's all featured in the book, along with the amazing Dawood, uh illustrations that go along with it. What I love about the graphic novel interpretation is how Daywood really used very simple colors. He used black, white, gray, and orange only, just like your basketball, right? You're orange and you're black. So this story is about Joshua Bell. He goes by Filthy McNasty on the basketball court. He is a kid who loves basketball. He comes from a basketball family. His dad's a retired professional basketball player. He has a twin brother, JB, Jordan. And I mean, they play on the same team. So listen, if you love basketball, this is a great book to read because it's written in verse. It's super simple, but I mean, they're so catchy. Like they're hip hop lyrics really. And there's so many references to hip hop and everything else that goes along with like anything in like, you know, a middle grade kids culture and what they're living through. So I love this book. I love the graphic novel interpretation. Um, I just, I finished it last week, actually on the eve of March Madness, which I live for March Madness every year. I love it. Um, So it was really fitting. And then I also, the next day they announced, um, Kwame Alexander actually announced that this has been, um, the rights have been taken or purchased through for Disney. So Disney's making it into a TV series, which is like really exciting. And I would love to see it actually made into an animated series because these illustrations are fantastic. Like it's awesome. Either way, it'll, it'll work brilliantly. So this book is great. I mean, it's about basketball, but you don't have to like basketball to read it. Uh, It's a coming of age story. It's real, it's sensitive, it's passionate, it's inspiring. I mean, the book was rejected 20 times before it actually got published, which is like so surprising. Um, And I mean, if you, like Google Kwame Alexander, he is just a personality all in himself. Like he's just infectious and like so full of life. And he's so passionate about poetry, which I mean, poetry and like books in verse, I'm sure maybe they don't fly off the shelves, but what a great way to get them to like, get the attention that they need through the content that's in this book. So it's fantastic. You don't have to be a basketball fan to love it, to crossover, pick it up. I mean, I recommend it to like, anybody like nine and up it's it's fantastic I loved it
0: okay my next two books pair well so I'm going to talk about them together because they're both fantastic and if you're going to pick up anything pick up these two books from the podcast because they're phenomenal so my next two books are The Canyon's Edge and Alone and these are stellar middle grade novels in verse that will appeal to all ages I think they're Fan, fantastic! I love them so much. The
1: covers are phenomenal too. Like they just draw your eye right to them. They're amazing.
0: Yeah, they were novels in verse when I first right. And I picked them up, and I I tend not to look up reviews or what books are about, especially I do it for adult books, but I don't do it for children's. And I had no idea what either one of these were about. And as it's just one of those experiences where I started to read and. I was like, wow, I'm in the presence of um, like two amazing stories. Cause they just, I was just blown away. Okay, so The Canyon's Edge is by Dusty Bowling. You would know her, she's a popular um, children's author. She's well known for in- Insignificant Events in the Life of Cactus series. This is contemporary survival adventure stories. Goodreads described it as Hatchet meets Jason Reynolds' Long Way Down, and I co-sign on that 100%. Fans of Dan Gemeinhart's The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrise has similar themes. I love both of those, too. So here's a setup for this one. One year after a random shooting changed their life forever, Nora and her father are exploring a slot canyon deep in the Arizona desert, hoping it will help them find peace. Nora longs for things to go back to normal, like they were when her mother was still alive, while her father keeps them isolated in fear of the outside world. When they reach the bottom of the canyon, the unthinkable happens. A flash flood rips across their path, sweeping away Nora's father and all of their supplies. Suddenly, Nora finds herself lost and alone in the desert, facing dehydration, venomous scorpions, deadly snakes, and worst of all, the Beast, capital B, who has terrorized her dreams for the past year. If Nora is going to save herself and her father, she must conquer her fears, defeat the beast, and find the courage to live her new life. First and foremost, let me just say again that I loved the unique structure of this book, which is broken up into three parts. Parts one and three are very short narratives like a regular chapter book that act as bookends to the beautiful verse poetry that make up the majority of the story in part two. I feel this lends to the emotional aspect of the story since the major crisis of the book begins with the gripping verse. Nora is a phenomenal character and role model. She has dealt with a major trauma in her life that has shaped the person she's become. I felt myself rooting for her, not only her physical survival, but her ability to overcome the after effects of such an emotional trauma. Nora is a strong, resilient character. Again, that theme of resilience really, really ties into this book beautifully. She's a a strong, resilient character that refuses to give up or let her trauma define her. I wrote down this quote in the book. I thought it was amazing. Don't be defined by your post-traumatic stress. Be defined by your post-traumatic growth. If you're looking for a propulsive page turner that delves into the themes of coping with death and overcoming grief, look no further. Pick up the Canyon's Edge by Dusty Bowling. I loved it. And like I said, it pairs really well with my next book and that's Megan E. Freeman, not to be confused by Morgan Freeman, <laughs> Megan, Megan Freeman. <laughs> and that is the book alone. This one as well is contemporary, it's dystopian which I was thrilled to discover because I love dystopian. Lots of kids do love that end of the world kind of idea. It's coming of age. Again, it pairs perfectly with Canyon's Edge because they're both survival stories. They're perfect for fans of the i Survive survived series as well as Colin Malloy's Wildwood series because they're suspenseful, they're fast paced and they're attention grabbing. Definitely pick it up if I would say nine to 10 plus. So here's a setup for a loan. When 12-year-old Maddie hatches a scheme for a secret sleepover with her two best friends, she ends up waking up to a nightmare. She's alone, left behind in a town that has been mysteriously evacuated and abandoned. What? With no one to rely on, no power, no working phone lines or internet access, Maddie slowly learns to survive on her own. Her only companion is a Rottweiler named George and all the books she can read. It honestly felt like a Twilight Zone episode. Like she wakes up and there's there's no one, Laura. There's no one, she's all by herself. And it's so creepy, but creepy, creepy good. After a rough start, Maddie learns to trust her own ingenuity and invents clever ways to survive in a place that has been deserted and forgotten. As months pass, she escapes natural disasters, looters and wild animals. But Maddie's most formidable enemy is the crushing loneliness she faces every day. This was truly a compelling tale of survival in the face of great loneliness that is remarkably relevant to the current state of our world. It parallels well with Canyon's Edge as they're both deeply emotional stories centering on courageous young girls dealing with tremendous strain in their family unit. Maddie is dealing with the aftermath of her parents' divorce and the subsequent new reality of having multiple families with new siblings. This is eerie, It's creepy. The tone draws you in immediately. It left me hesitantly, but like crazily turning the pages because I was worried about Maddie's well-being. Overall, this is a powerful and fast-paced read, perfect for our older, reluctant readers interested in sci-fi or end-of-the-world stories. If you're looking for a thought-provoking and fun read, check out Alone by Megan E. Freeman.
1: Okay, so this month I've chosen uh, a few picture books. So I'm going to start with a couple that are actually poetry collections within picture books. My first book that I'm going to talk about today is called Just Like Me. It is written and illustrated by Vanessa Brantley-Newton. I was part of a webinar uh, in the fall of 2020 with Vanessa Brantley-Newton, and she is just amazing. She's like a ray of sunshine. She has this a shining personality, a smile that will light up a room, and her illustrations are like just—they just like her. They're bright, beautiful, vibrant, and amazing. So this is a book of poetry. It's it's for girls, really. It's about girl power, empowerment for them. Uh, it's a book of self acceptance, character building, sass, confidence, and most importantly, it's about inclusion, um, including everyone, like not bullying other girls, not pointing out bad things, accepting who you are, accepting your friends for who they'll be. Uh, it's a unique and vibrant book full of like amazing illustrations They're they're just perfect. There's so much girl power in each page and it's, it's just, it's beautiful. And it's definitely a great story for resilience because, um, yeah, I mean, like being a girl, we know it's, it can be tough when you're young and impressionable and trying to learn new things and your things are changing and you're like, what does this all mean physically, emotionally, socially, everything. So this is a great book full of great um, little poems that will definitely, you know, boost you up as a girl, even for boys, really. doesn't, it's just for girls necessarily. My favorite poem in the book is called Paper Chains. It's the very last poem of the book and it's fantastic. So that is Just Like Me by Vanessa Brantley Newton. My next book selection is called, Recess in the Dark. It is written uh, and it was written by Callie Dacos, illustrated by Erin Mercer. Both are Canadian women. Um, and it's essentially uh, about recess in the dark. If you live in the Northwest Territories, which uh, the author Callie Dacos, she was a teacher um, in the Northwest Territory Territories. And so she experienced what it was like for the kids to literally have no sun in the winter during a regular school day. So she's written a great fun bunch of short poems that uh, for more for younger readers, probably than anything. And they're cute, but they really open your eyes. And I mean, we take the sun for granted here in Ontario, where we are. Um, I mean, when we have daylight savings time, we're like, thank goodness, there's a couple more hours at the end of the day. But can you imagine going out for recess and having to put lights on outside or having the stars like the sky for you or the northern lights for that matter, really? I mean, it's just a beautiful book. They're beautiful illustrations. I like that throughout the book as well. Um, there's interesting facts about, you know, what they do at recess or what happens there at that t- time so it's interesting uh, my favorite poem in the book was called joe's favorite place it's about a little boy and he's appreciating with like the northern lights and everything it's it's fantastic it's fun it's expiring and i mean when you're reading these poems you'll feel like you're there with them experiencing what it's like to go for recess in the dark there you go
0: that sounds great I'll make you note know, of both of those those sound really mm-hmm. good okay so my next book is also by a canadian author This one is middle grade. So it's by Canadian author Heather Smith and it's called Ebb and Flow. Heather Smith is well known for her books, The Agony of Bun O'Keefe, Chicken Girl and most recently, Barry Squire's Full Tilt. All of them are great. Ebb and Flow was Silver Birch Fiction Award finalist in 2019. In fact, when I picked this up, I forgot about that. And then as I was reading, I was like, oh, I remember this one from the Silver Birch Awards in 2019 because my niece, who I believe she was in grade six at the time, messaged me because that was her favorite book and that was the one that she voted for. And she's just like, Aunt Leanna, you need to read this one. It's so good. And it really, really is. Um, it's a sad but very hopeful story it follows the life of a young boy named jet he's 11 years old and he's endured a rough year and consequently sent away to stay with his grandmother in newfoundland jet has endured some trauma in his short life and regrettably has some has made some poor decision as most kids do smith beautifully captures the mind of a struggling preteen with her unique verse so so well it left me in awe really this is It's a novel in verse, but it is poetic. Her simple words really do have an emotional impact. I think our young readers will connect with Jet. This is a coming of age story, which perfectly helps kids understand that we do all make mistakes and feeling regret is a normal part of that process. That's Ebb and Flow
1: by Canadian author, Heather Smith. Okay, so my next picture book selection is actually, it's a, an, an adaptation of a song. Um, this is one of my favorite genres in picture books is when they take a great classic song and they put it into a picture, back, picture book format. Um, there are so many that you can choose from. The one I've chosen to do today is Singing in the Rain, pictures by Tim Hopgood, who I absolutely love his illustrations. Um, and it's based on the song written by Arthur Freed and Nacio Erb Brown and I mean, Singing in the Rain is one of my most favorite musicals of all time. Um, if you haven't already realized, I've listened to all these podcasts. I love music. Um, like I said, there are definitely. I mean, I could have chosen. Tim Hopkins done a few of these. He's gotten one for Moon River. He has one for uh, Walking in a Winter Wonderland, which is my favorite Christmas Carol. He has one for What a Wonderful World. I mean there's so many to choose from. And not only that, I mean, you can sway from Tim Hopgood. There are picture book interpretations of Bob Marley songs. There's Beatles songs, Bob Dylan, Bowie. I'm um, When my children were younger, we had board book adaptations of, you know, um, you are my sunshine or twinkle twinkle. So these are great for me. I think these are a great to pick up because you can pick them up and sing it with the kids and they can sing it with you as well. As you turn the page, you, it's interesting to see what the illustrator's interpretation of that lyric is. And I mean, songs are poetry in themselves so i love this one tim hopgood is just he's amazing his illustrations are bright they're vibrant and they're just stunning to look at if you pick up any of his um song interpretation books or adaptations they are phenomenal um yeah and i just i love singing in the rain so it's it's great and it's fitting because it's spring right now and april's definitely gonna have lots of rain i'm sure so singing in the rain pictures by tim hopgood
0: so, well, my next book is a bit backless because I feel like everything we've talked so far about has been pretty new. I think this was published in 2017. It, the title is Forget Me Not by Ellie Terry. This is contemporary realistic fiction. It's a sweet, inspiring story with an important message, and I would recommend it to readers 10 plus. So this story is about the friendship between two seventh graders, Calliope or Callie, as she's referred to in the book, a young girl with Tourette syndrome who is new to town and Jinsung, her new neighbor who also happens to be the popular student body president at her new school. While their friendship works smoothly at home, they face some conflicts at school. Callie tries to hide the fact that she has Tourette syndrome but inevitably her embarrassing quirks come out to the detriment of her social status. Both of them must learn what they value more, being true to themselves or conforming to the norm. Callie's a wonderful heroine our readers can look up to. She's smart and courageous. She tackles enormous problems like an absent father, a mother who won't settle down in just one place. She's in fact moved like 10 different times in her short amount of life, which is awful when you're in middle school or any school setting. She has to deal with new schools all the time, new bullies, and of course, her Tourette syndrome gracefully. And she does. Like I said, she's lived in 10 different places just in nine years. The amount of resilience and tenacity Callie shows is incredible. I love the unique structure of *Forget Me Not. The book alternates between Callie and Jin Song. Callie's chapters are told in free verse, beautiful free verse, which works brilliantly to spotlight her... Her Tourette symptoms. Jinsung's chapters are very short and no longer than two pages written in regular prose. Forget Me Not pairs really well with RJ Palacio's Wonder and L- Linda Mullally Hunt's Fish in a Tree, as they all use living with invisible, invisible disabilities as major themes. Additionally, Dusty Bowling's Insignificant Events in the Life of Cactus is also a warm hearted, authentic story that features a character with Tourette syndrome. This is own voices as our author Ellie Terry draws on her own personal experience since she too has syndrome. She says, it's okay to be ourselves. Different is good. Embrace what makes you different and don't be afraid to show it to the world. That's Forget Me Not by Ellie Terry.
1: Okay. So my last picture book selection for this month is, uh, it's a poem with, um, in picture book format. It's called A Place Inside of Me, a poem to heal the heart. It is written by Zeta Elliott and illustrated by Noah Denman. Um, Zeta wrote this poem last spring, 2020. Um, as we know, there was a lot of racial tensions happening, violence that was unnecessary. Uh, Black Lives Matter was a huge, huge thing for last year and really it it should be something that matters every day. Um, So she wrote this poem and published it in July of last year and she wrote it after the racial violence that happened in the spring of 2020. It's a passionate response. Um, to what happened uh, you will take the time to feel what Zeta is expressing in this book. You'll reflect and you'll feel compassion. This book is a call to action and it's, it's an op- opportunity for us to really open our hearts and our minds to what it all means and how it must feel. So uh, the illustrations are genius. They, they are amazing on each page. They pair perfectly with, with Zeta's message and, um, I I just loved it. it. It's hard. It would be hard to read it and not, not feel something. Right. So it's a place inside of me, a poem to heal the heart by Zetta Elliott. It was beautiful.
0: Okay, perfect. So our final book that I'm going to discuss is Grasping Mysteries, Girls Who Loved Math by Janine Atkins. And this is a unique and fun historical fiction, novel and verse. Again, amazing cover illustration really drew me in. I was like, what is this all about? And I was, I was surprised and ha- I was happily surprised by what I found because Grasping Mysteries focuses on seven groundbreaking women in the fields of science and math. Car- Caroline Herschel, the first woman to discover a comet and to earn a salary for scientific research Florence Nightingale, a trailblazing nurse whose work reformed hospitals and one of the founders of the field of medical statistics. Hertha marks Ayrton, the first female electrical engineer who registered 26 patents for her inventions. Marie Tharp, who helped create the first map of the entire ocean floor, which helped scientists understand our subquatic world and suggested how the continents shifted. Catherine Johnson, a mathematical prodigy who calculated trajectories and launch windows for many NASA projects, including the Apollo 11 mission. Edna Lee Paisano, a citizen of the Nez Perce Nation, she was the first Native American to work full-time for the Census Bureau, overseeing a large increase in American Indian and Alaskan Native representation. And finally, Vera Rubin, who studied more than 200 galaxies and found the first strong evidence for dark matter, whoa. These are exceptional, exceptional women in history. This is a stunning novel celebrating the remarkable achievements of women who use math as their key to explore the mysteries of the universe and grew up to do innovative work that changed the world. It's a fun and educational and informative book. It pairs well with narrative nonfiction. We've talked about a lot about narrative nonfiction last episode like the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls series, as well as fiction titles that showcase girls embracing STEM, like Amy Lucido's Emmy and the Key of Code or Michelle Schusterman's Girls Who Code series. This is a companion to Janine Atkins previous book, Finding Wonders, Three Girls Who Changed Science. And I would recommend it to anyone interested in history, groundbreaking achievements of women. It's really a remarkable, interesting story. That's Grasping Mysteries, Girls Who Loved Math by Janine Atkins. So, wow, we talked about lots of books today to celebrate National Poetry Month. We really hope you found something that interests you to pick up from the library. Um, I know lots are available in ebook form on Hoopla. So don't forget about Hoopla. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great. In addition to Overdrive and Cloud.
1: I have to say, I'm going to, I'm going to like confess, I'm, I've never really been a poetry person <laughs> and I feel like um, in the last couple of months now that, I mean, I definitely opened my eyes to it more and I'm definitely more accepting of it and more willing to try it. Uh, I want to say too, I mean, there are certainly like different collections that we could have highlighted classics. I mean, the Dennis Lee's, uh, Shel Silverstein, all those sort of things we could have definitely featured, but I think we really try to kind of, you know, those are there and we want to highlight some things that maybe you just don't know about because I think that people maybe forget that the poetry is there even now. Right. So I, I don't know. I am definitely more open to poetry than I ever was before. Yeah. So confession.
0: Re- rebranding it and specifically talking about novels and verse. Cause I think some kids hear yeah. poetry and they think, oh gosh, I'm not reading poetry. Right. Like, it's not, it's not in their wheelhouse. It's not a mainstream way of like it's just
1: not of interest for a lot absolutely. of absolutely no for sure and that's the thing I think I hear that word and I go oh poetry but give it a try so yeah. yeah it was great
0: yeah and really pick something new up at, to celebrate Poetry Month and like like we mentioned in the opening like the theme of resilience is so timely mm-hmm. right now and our kids need these hopeful books and we've given yes. you, we've given you lots of suggestions to introduce. To the kids to your classroom these make remarkable read-alouds whether or the classroom um they're they're great to listen on audio or just pick up the good old-fashioned book in print
1: (laughs) yep for sure
0: enjoy happy poetry month and enjoy your april
1: Thanks so much for listening today. We hope we've introduced you to some new authors and children's titles. All the books discussed today are available in print and digital format on either Overdrive, Cloud Library, or Hoopla. Please visit brantfordlibrary.ca for more information about this podcast and other fantastic programs the library has to offer. Thanks, bye-bye. Juicebox Book Talks
0: is a Brantford Public Library podcast developed by Leanna Flamiani. that's me.
1: And me, Laura Vierag.
0: Edited by Anna Clarity.
1: Music provided by Purple Planet through purple-planet.com.